Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited for our final episode in our Sports Digita series, and we've got Doug Holtzman back to chat about some best practices, things that are happening around the industry. Uh, he's gone to some different league meetings, conferences, and we're going to talk about what's ahead through the rest of the 2023 year, but also just kind of things to look out for, how the business is evolving and changing. So, Doug, uh, welcome back. Thanks, Jake. It's always good to be on here. It's always you're, you're one of the goats, as I always say. Always good to chat with you. And look, let's start off with a couple of things that I, I think are are interesting and evolving as we go. Um, you know, premium hospitality being one that's continuously evolving in our industry uh, as, you know, it's, it's the fight against TV, right? It's the fight against how do you get somebody to the stadium that isn't just a regular seat, a regular ticket? And also, how do you go above and beyond what what someone could get on a TV viewing experience and, you know, how people are going about it. So uh, hospitality inventory, you know, it's not that typical uh, just X person suite anymore, right? It's what, what is it turning into? You know, again, television's getting better and better and better. It's crazy. I've got, I've got YouTube TV. Like you could watch four games at once. You got all these interactive stuff. It's incredible, right? So what can you do? to give someone more to, to, to go to a game and not just a normal season ticket. And what we're noticing is, you know, and I, we talked about this a lot at, at ALSD in Indianapolis over the summer was these like speakeasy bars, which by the way, means I'm old. I had to look up what a speakeasy bar is right there. So, but what, what it is, right. Is, is, is he's like, Hey, you, you, you know, you kind of walk through a wall or, or, you know, open up a special door that, that opens this awesome little place. But what it's doing is, is in the can, uh, Sporting Kansas City just did it. Um, it's creating like this exclusive place that like, you know, there's only, I think they had like a hundred members that were allowed to, to purchase, to get inside there. They, they put the player there after the game. They do some very cool stuff that only these hundred patrons are allowed to see. And it's kind of cool, right? And that's what they're making it is like, hey, come to the game. You always want them to come early, right? And stay late. But what they're doing is creating this club where people are like, oh, my gosh, we want this. And now they're probably talking about creating more and more and more of these. And it's just these places. And again, and you could that incorporate not only hospitality sales, sponsorship sales could come in there and, and go for it as well. How do you create an experience at the stadium where it's almost as if the game that's going on doesn't even really matter? And it attracts in a totally different audience because it's just a cool atmosphere to go to you know, think of it as an event. You know, if you ever ask people that aren't on the sponsorship side or ticket side or kind of like in the game presentation, they don't think of it as a game. They think of it as an event, right? And put on that event because at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm married, have two kids. I want to go, when I go to the Braves game, to, I'm going to watch baseball, right? But to have a good time with my family, 
right? And what can they give me that afterwards my kids will say, dad, I loved it. My wife will say, I loved it. Let's go back for more. And I think that's what, that is the goal now, you know, for, for this, right? Because there's so many different things that people could be doing, especially with their time. And that, you know, and again, is it's, it's hard to invest five hours or whatever it is of your day to do it. That's why I see major league baseball trying to get the game shorter, right? Cause people's attention span after a couple hours are okay. I'm, I'm ready to move on. So you're seeing all these different changes and it's all focused on the fan, right? To get them to love it and come back for more. From a selling perspective, what's changing in terms of how the inventory is sold, right? It used to just be, hey, buy the whole season. And maybe it still is in some respects for some places, but how is that aspect changing? What, what we're seeing a lot is obviously, you know, you know, teams are realizing it's hard to sell, you know, let's think about in baseball, right? 100, 162, which is 81 home games on that one. It's hard to sell that, right? So they're coming up with, with different, you know, platforms of, of how to sell it, number one. So whether they say, okay, hey, you know, let's just look basketball. These are the prime games here. But in order to get the prime games, you also have to get X, Y, and Z games as well to try to get out. But as long as they can piecemeal it together to equal out the number of total home games, they're okay with that. You know, I think that the, the everybody has accepted that that is kind of the new norm. And then you mentioned sponsorship aspect of it, right? Like how, what what factor plays into that? Is that a b2b type of play for a sponsor is it a branding play because it's a cool experience and they want to be associated with it what are you seeing there i think it's a little bit of both but also i think it's 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 a, a big part of what fits that space right don't just sell a sponsorship to sell a sponsorship you know putting i'm making this up you know putting chick-fil-a in an exclusive space doesn't really make sense right but putting you know the right type of alcohol there or the right type of investment company there. So again, sometimes it's more B2B where they're there, you know, talking to, you know, where they're actually there talking to people. But sometimes it's like, hey, look, it makes sense that this high-end alcohol is sponsor of this area. So again, it all kind of depends what everybody's trying to get out of it, but you can definitely go both ways. And let's dive into a little bit more on the sponsorship side. You know, you're, you're constantly dealing with different teams, leagues, properties all the time, right? So you, in some ways, uh, you're you're learning about some of the best practices and things that are going on across not only the teams in one league, but all leagues. Um, what's happening with renewals, the different cycles, how businesses are changing? Um, you know, what, what are you seeing there from a sales perspective? Tons of change. So when I started in the industry 9,000 years ago, right, selling sponsorships, we we kind of always knew that we'd be at that like 91, 92% renewal rate right around there every year. So a, a really good year, we'd be at 94, 5, you know, not a great year, 87, 88. Everybody would take that right now. Like literally, if you said right now, season ended, we'll take 87%, sure, check that box. So what's happening is that you've got to resell every single sponsor that's there. There's no question. People are looking at every single thing, every single money that they spent, these companies are, and figure out do they want it or not. And they're not, a, so it's no longer a gimme that they're gonna automatically come back, which forces the teams in a good way, right? To concentrate on what is working for that client that they're going after. What do they need, right? And it's, so the good teams are finding out exactly what they need 
giving it to them and showing again, we I always talk about that, their return on investment. So no longer is it about the teams when you're selling, it's about finding as much information you can about that company you're going after and to put something together, it's going to work for that company. And I think that, you know, the teams that are, are, are swaying in that direction are doing very good. The ones that aren't are going to start getting that under that 90 and 89, 88, 87, 86, 85% of renewal rates. Because again, as you've got to think about the customer and, and in this case, that company that is sponsoring. And part of it is also then changing kind of the mindset around uh, the terms of the deals as well in that respect, right? So are you, you know, as you talk to people, what's, what's changing in that respect is the, you know, the 10 year deal gone. COVID kind of changed everything as we know. Right. So uh, I, I've had more people talk about force majeure in the, in the, in the last three years than I've ever heard in my life. Uh, and, and it's crazy. Right. So I think, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see as many 10, 20 year deals, you know, coming right now because of that. Or if there are, there's a lot of different outs clauses in that. But I think that new norm is kind of like that two, three-year deal on that one. You know, it's not really good for both parties to do a one-year deal. And I always say that to people, really, it's not good. You've got to um, you, you've got to adjust during it and, and, and make adjustments. And, and, and then there's opportunities for upsells, et cetera. But I think that new norm, two to three years, you're about to see. And you know, we'll get into a little bit of like what impacts you know, the hospitality, the sponsorship space. Um, let's use Messi as an example, right? To, to, you know, you got more eyeballs now, you've got more people wanting a uh, product because of, of one person. Um, but, you know, let's just take the, the impact of how one athlete can change not only a team, a city, uh, the opposing cities, right? Like there, there's quite a few cities now that are, that are transient cities, right? Where you don't, necessarily have you have a home base of fans but realistically when xyz team comes into town there's a lot of opposing fans right you're starting to see that more and more um talk a little bit about what you're what you're hearing from other teams and how it impacts their their business it's funny i started hearing about this more and more in the summer which is crazy people were talking about mls and he hadn't even signed yet and what's the impact about what's going to happen once he does um, it just happened over the weekend in Atlanta, the, in a messy effect. So there's positive messy effect, but there's also negative. So they opened up the upper deck for Atlanta. Who, who probably, and I've got to look number one, number two in attendance. They do very well, but they opened up the upper deck, sold 73,000. He didn't go on the team plane. So you had 20 X thousand people that, nor, you know, that normally they don't even sell tickets to that bought tickets that game that probably, and especially if they went secondary market, you know, other than that, you know, that, then the, the, the normal price probably paid five to 10 times that price and he doesn't go. And when, you know, obviously when you start reading about it, you know, they have turf and he hasn't played in turf in a long, 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 long time. And I don't expect him to, but what do you do in that? So, but these teams that don't have turf that have, that, that have grass, Man, when he comes in town, that that's an economic impact for that town. They're going to sell out like they're the they, you know, so the restaurants are going to be hopping. The bars going to be hopping. The hotel's going to be hopping on this one. And again, it's for one reason. This guy is he's the goat. I mean, he literally is the goat right there coming in. And you're seeing this modern guy come in and just kick ass with within MLS. Uh, so there's all these good things. Again, sponsorships. Think about what a day game sponsorship's worth now. 
right? Normally, you know, it's X, now it's Y or Z. And so again, with him, but I think that the the, the negative part is they got to figure out what happens on these turf fields with him. What, what, what do you do? Because I can't see him playing. How do you become more proactive in your business as opposed to reactive, right? Because if you think about even that situation you just talked about and you're trying to, you've got to then a short runway to understand that he's coming to then, you know, sell, uh, you know, a different type of sponsorship or, or whatever the case is, um, come up with some new product, right? So you can create more inventory. How do you become more proactive regardless of that uh, and not reactive to things that are going on and trying to, you know, imitate what, what others are doing? I, it's so funny. I always talk about be proactive versus reactive. I, the reactive people just drive me nuts. It, it really does. Um, I think you've got to look at it. Think about the minor league baseball. And with us, we're fortunate. We, we work with 82 of the 120 teams. But think about when that big player that, so you've got your season right now, right? And, and you've got your, you know, your, your normal players. And then that big player on the big league club gets hurt starts rehabbing and all of a sudden like, where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? Oh, he's coming to us. Right. So you've got to be three, four, five steps ahead of, of, of the game. And you've got to already be thinking this. So again, just as minor league baseball, they're already thinking, Hey, when, when this happens during the season, we will already have these eight different new assets. When this person, we don't even know who this person is yet. When it happens, look at that. It started happening a few years ago when Tim Tebow played minor league baseball, right? This dude shows up on a Tuesday night and brings a sellout crowd wherever he went because the guy was like, everybody, you know, here he is, the Tebow effect. Um, so I think with with Messi, same thing, right? Is you've got to be ahead of it, but come up with assets that are going to work, right? Not only for your club, but also for who you're going after and already pre-start having these conversations so you don't have to sell it last second. And from a proactive perspective, just even trying to get ahead of trends in the industry, right? Like not, you know, not being the last one to reinvent the hospitality wheel or, or whatever the case is, like, what are you seeing from other teams and leagues in terms of copying each other versus being, you know, the first one out on a ledge, trying something new? I think, you know, think about how incestuous sports is right and so you know just as you know when i worked in baseball and, and basketball and football and in uh, and, and college etc so people have these big circles and they're always talking the good ones are always talking to them and figuring out it's not always reinventing the wheel but i think that the more trend that i'm seeing with these is these again is these one of a uh, they're going to get the assets no matter what but also these one of a, of a kind experiences that they can get to that person, whether they're doing for their customers or their employees or whatever that is. And that's, that's becoming more and more and more is, is what's that thing that I can't, that normal person can't just pay for that you can give them and think about it with messy, right. In that one is like, Hey, I have this opportunity to do X, Y, or Z. You mentioned reinventing the wheel, right? So it's like, as someone who works for a tech company and you're always trying to do something a little bit better and, you know, enhance things, right? Like, how do you go about not reinventing the wheel, but also being creative, innovative, et cetera? You know, it's funny. I, I, every day I go through about 
20 or 25 of our decks. And we have 450 partners, but I'm constantly going through them. And I, and I always goes through, I was like, I don't want it to be the same. And you know what? They aren't because everybody has their different wants and needs at, at the end of the day. And everyone wants to get out their information differently. And that, and that, and that's big. So again, is, you know, with, so with your individual company, whoever you are, so, you know, your Atlanta United, you need to get your information out in this way to make it work right for you and, and, and your ownership group. So I think that happens a lot. What that we see is, um, you know, but, but at the same time, sometimes they're talking about the same type inventory. Hey, look, let's, you know, have you sold this type of a sponsorship before? And then obviously some people are always, you know, um, borrowing from each other in that aspect. But I think the salespeople are borrowing, borrowing from each other all the time. As we kind of switch topics to get towards the end of the episode, um, what are you seeing ahead in the next couple of months as we talked about the, the proactiveness, right? Um, what are you seeing ahead in the next couple of months leading into 2024 that will impact our industry on a, on a larger level? Um, you know, TV is always a big thing uh, as, it, as it relates to the, you know, the big dollar signs, right? And, and how it impacts kind of, you know, we've seen with college football, right? Even realignment and, and revenue, you know, revenue shares and all of that. But what what are the couple things that you're kind of keeping an eye on? And, you know, you you always do a great job of, of the job posting and stuff on LinkedIn as well and sharing other people's uh, needs and whatnot, you know, just trying to help help everybody out as well. Well, well, thank you, by the way, on that one. I, we'll, we'll get into that one later for sure. I, I, I love helping people. Um, but what I see is, is with this writer strike, there's going to be records broken when it comes to TV ratings. Think about it right now. We're it's you know as we're uh, as we're filming this, it's 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 mid to late September, right? As as we're talking about, we're normally that's where fall television starts. So and, and let's just look at network television. Now there's nothing. So the only things that are on are reality television, game shows, news, and sports. That's the only thing new, right? At the end of the day, there, there's no more new shows. It's not going to happen for a long while. They are going to set records on network television. Not necessarily always like on the ESPNs on a, on a quote unquote cable, right? But on network television, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox is going to set records for, for it's just going to be crazy. Um, Week four of college football, just watch out. There's some great matchups. And, and at the end of the day, just start looking at the ratings. Um, so more and more people are going to start looking at that, right? Because then if that happens from a sponsorship standpoint, going back to a team, think about what your, your TV viewable signage now is worth. More and more and more. Because that's at the end of the day, that's kind of how you're setting what, what you're pricing it at anyway for that. Because that's where the real value comes out. Um, but I think that's one of the big things is this, is this TV strike deal. Um, I think in college sports, you're going to, again, NIL, every single thing that I was at in the summer, they brought that up. It didn't matter if it was, you know, that the ECHL meetings or the NHL meetings or uh, NSF, everybody was talking about NIL because it's, it's crazy. It is, it is absolutely crazy. I mean, it's, it's not, and I tell this to people all the time, it's not going away. It is not going away. Um, but the weird thing is that every state has different rules. So we're going to have to see, right, if this goes to quote unquote Congress and they want to do anything about it. I don't think they want to touch it with a 10 foot pole on this one. Um, but that is, you know, schools are competing actually against themselves now with NIL. 
at the end of the day, right? They're literally competing against themselves. So that is something that we're going to have to continue to watch and continue to adapt with, because again, change is going to happen all the time with that, but it's not going away. Um, and I think that's kind of the two features is, is with this TV strike deal and NIL. Those are the two hotbeds right now. Yeah. And even on the NIL side, right? Like it's, it's something that's going to continue to evolve and it also impacts other parts of the industry, right? Being the professional side, not only uh, from a, a player standpoint, right? And eligibility and all that, but then the sponsorship standpoint, how brands are thinking about things differently. And, you know, to your point about renewals earlier and reselling the clients, like they didn't have these other uh, opportunities to necessarily think about, or, you know, it's so it's, it's continuing to evolve. And I think, you know, even on the NIL side, right, then you start to see more brands want to do things with more uh, professional players, right, because they're seeing it work at, at, at that level. And then what does that look like? Well, then you start to get into the player associations and it gets complicated, right? So there's a lot of different things that that can stem from that, Doug, in terms of not just what it's doing in its in its own right, but also how does it impact the other areas? For sure. And then I also think within our industry, you're seeing a lot of the quote unquote pro guys starting these NIL companies because they're going to kind of seize this. They're like, oh my gosh, this is this huge industry that nobody really knows what the heck they're doing right here. I'm going to go in and I'm going to, I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to make some money for it. You're going to see it. You are seeing it. You're going to see it more and more for sure. Uh, let's, let's touch on the job thing because, you know, you, you do a great job of sharing other people's jobs just uh, with your network and, and the great network that you have on LinkedIn. And um, what are you seeing though from trends of what people are hiring for? And is it changing at all what they're looking for? Um, you know, you talk to a lot of people, what's, what's changing there? More and more analytical things, analytical jobs. People are looking at numbers, right? They're looking at statistics. So you're going to see more, you're, you're seeing it now and you're going to see more and more of these analytics type analytical type jobs that that's number one uh number two is and this was really a result of covid start of covid three and a half years ago is that you had some major people that were selling back then that were just just titans in the industry that kind of got out of it right and did, did their kind of own thing so you're seeing a lot of third party selling now as well like again that's just a, a trend that you're seeing over and over again but with that i think that the the, the biggest change is that when they left, right, now you've got people that aren't used to those roles kind of stepping up. And there's a, there's still a little green out there. And so I think teams are looking for top sales talent. Because again, you had all these guys, these, these people that were there, you know, for years, and all of a sudden they jumped ship as COVID started. So now what, what happens, right? And, and teams are seeing the impact there and they are trying to find this top talent again. So who's the next greatest that's going to step up? So these kids, I'm saying kids now, that means I'm really old, but, but people now that, that were in their thirties that were probably normally quote unquote, let's say directors, right? Now all of a sudden are VPs and above, right? VPs, senior VPs, CROs, you know, presidents of teams, et cetera, right? So it's their turn. So, but they're trying to find this next piece of, of of all these these next generations that are going to step up in the sports business world well and when you think about you know how 
how COVID and the pandemic changed organizations, some restructured, some, you know, had layoffs, whatever the case was. And I don't think anyone really thought about like, okay, two and a half, three years from now, like what's that going to do to the revenue projections, to the, the structure of the staffs, to the culture, right? Like, of course there was that in the moment thought, but then it's like, okay, what's the impact three years from now? And I think you're seeing it, right? So to your point, you know, what, what is the impact and what are people looking for? Um, how are they trying to get smarter with their resources? Um, and then, you know, as you, as you think about the, the culture piece, right? Like you're constantly talking to, to different people, like how's the culture changing in different areas? Well, I could say this, no, number one is, you know, in, Jake, you could say this, I could say this, you know, for working there is we're used to working long hours on the team side of the business, right? Where you were, and, and if, if your team at a, at a, you know, 10 game home stand, like you're, you're, you're going to games a lot, right? For 10 games, et cetera. And, and, and then you're going to the office as well. I think the new trend, right. Is as people are more teams are more comfortable with their people working from home, right? Obviously that there's more of a comfort level there. There's more people working at home at teams than have ever happened before. Right. And, and they, and some are saying, Hey, get back. Some don't care. Hey, as long as you get your, your stuff done, we don't care there. Um, same thing with, with amount of games that, that you used to have to go to, you used to have to go to X. I think now you have to go to Y, you know, on this one. So it, it's kind of been a good thing because you, you know, just the burnout that would happen before, you know, I had 20 years at the end. I was like, Holy, you know what? Like, this is, this is a lot. Like, you know, and, you know, and especially when you get married and have kids, like, like life changes on that one. But I think that work life balance has gotten much better over the last three years. And really, and that's a positive of, of, of COVID. For the generation that's recruiting the next generation of talent, how, how do they recruit that talent knowing that that's changed, right? The mentality of coming into the industry was was x before and everybody who's in the industry has gone through that and now this new generation is coming in how, how do you deal with that how do you go about it's it? tough it's tough because they're, they're, you know i think the trend i'm seeing is there's two types of people you still have the the new ones that they're trying to to teach like old school stuff too but then again you've got these other groups that are coming in that that didn't have come in like i did and work my way up in sports they're coming from every industry on earth and moving into sports. So it's kind of like the great unknown on that one. So again, you've got, again, there, there's a two different types there. You know, are you rewarding the person that started in inside sales that worked his way up through tickets that went to sponsorships, et cetera, and reward that person? Or are you going to bring someone outside? You're seeing both, which is very interesting because before it was very few outside of, of, of that's how it worked. Um, I'm going to flip to college. Right now you started seeing that when you start talking about you know, who leads these conferences? Look, look at the big 12. You know, he's a pro sports guy, right? He was not a cow. He was not a college guy by any means. And your mark comes in and just totally dominates for the big 12 and, and keeps them being the big 12, quite frankly. Right. And, and now we're, we're going to be 16, 16 strong in there. But, but again, is is it, there's just all these, there's, there's so many different outlets now of people getting into sports, which is pretty cool. So I, I always tell people, um, you don't have to always start in sports to end in sports. Um, one of my biggest mentors was Mark Sauer, who ran the Pirates, he ran the St. Louis Blues, he ran the St. Louis Cardinals. 
and he knew from like day one I wanted to work in sports, but he just always says like, don't do it. Don't, don't start there. You could always end there. I like go in finance, go do all this stuff. Right. So I think you're seeing more and more of that. But then again, you're seeing more and more people that right out of college, go start working for a team. But then the difference is instead of working for a team for 15 years, they're going to move every two, three years. I mean, that's obviously the new trend. Yeah. So moving every two, two, three years and or, you know, tangential businesses, right, to the team and league side. I think you mentioned earlier, like third parties are increasing um, the amount of of companies that exist now, right? Even just via technology uh, that are continuing to work uh, within the industry, um, that will only increase, I would imagine, right? For sure. Um, you know, people think it's sexy working in sports, right? But a lot of these companies, also these third-party companies say, hold on a sec, I see this industry right here that, that really needs help. How can my company come in and, and positively affect this industry? For this one and really make an impact. You're seeing more and more of that. Doug, really appreciate all the insights, perspectives, the look aheads to uh, what's to come and how our industry is changing. Uh, appreciate everything as as you guys continue to support us. Um, and thanks again for being on the, the episode of the series. Well, thanks, Jake. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode with a new guest and new content.